0: So some of you have asked for this for a while, so um, I'm just going to give it a go. But uh, it's your girl Jill here. Um, It's been a couple crazy days in Kingsland, or should I say 35 years? Um, (laughs) But (laughs) uh, in uh, close terms, yes, it's been a couple crazy days. Uh, There are moves that I think uh, were not easy to happen, but I do think that they needed to happen. Um, I have nothing but respect for Lottie and Peja and, you know, they didn't have to take these jobs. They didn't need the money, but they did it because they love this, this town, this city, this fan base. And, you know, we can't say that about a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, when it comes to Kingsland. So um, in that sense, I will always love them. And, uh, you know, they hold some of my greatest memories of as, you know, a Kings fan. But I do think it's time to move on. And with that being said, uh, I don't think anything changes until a certain owner can give out you know, give up the reins and actually let change happen. It's been seven years since we've held any kind of formal interview for a real um, general manager position. Uh, Pete was interviewed at the beginning after Malone was hired and regardless of whatever those moves were, you know, we can, (laughs) we don't even need to go down that road. Um, but at the end of his tenure there, we saw the same thing happen. Vladi came in as an advisor. There was trust there. I get it. So he was moved right, right into the spot. But again, no interviews because there was a lack of trust from other advisors that, you know, were there behind the scenes that names don't need to be said. They're already out there. Um, but we saw the same thing happen again. And I think a lot of people thought when they heard Joe's name was that the same kind of thing was going to happen again. And what do you know? A year later, he is now, you know, Vladi and Peja are gone. And now the advisor is moved over. But at what point are they at the top gonna realize that that's not how the you know well run sports organizations work we keep hearing how kings fans need to be patient and i get that you know we've been in a rebuild for 14 years but never actually rebuilt anything we have continued this cycle which makes it really hard to have any kind of patience for me as a person. I don't know about anybody else, but I can live with losing and failing knowing that there are legitimate people running this organization, but it's really hard to have patience when you continually keep seeing the same Kings cycle over and over and over the last 7 years now i can only hope with joe being here that that is not some sort of front you know to to necessarily get himself back in the game he has been out since 2014 And I have nothing but respect for what he, you know, did as a player and then, you know, what he did with the Pistons after that. But this is a new basketball era. And that was one of the things that Vladdy had a really hard time with. And at Joe's tenure with the Pistons, that's where he started failing towards the end as well. Now, I'm all about. Perfectly fine with, you know, having, you know, a legendary guy come in here to bring, you know, what looks like maybe some stability. But I genuinely hope that there are actually going to be interviews and this isn't just some sort of let's put the advisor, you know, again, back in charge. There are a lot of great names out there that, yes, I know our reputation is bad, but we keep going back to there's only 30 teams, you know, people want positions, I get it. And one thing has pretty much always been constant here. Even if you come here, you usually still get a job when you leave because, You were not blamed. It was, oh, it's just the kinks. Nobody could have succeeded there. If you succeed here, you will be a legend. And I have, I I feel like you at least have to try to reach out to some of these, you know, maybe sleeper unknown uh, guys that are interviewing at other organizations, Um, at least make the call. But make them say no to you. Don't just assume that they're automatically going to say no. We have to at least try and do a process. So following that thought, um, I've put together some names, some realistic, some not so realistic. But I still want to get their names out there because they are still people that you should call and make them say no to you. But at least make the call. First name out there, um, probably not so realistic. I know that he was uh, potentially rumored out there for the uh, Bulls position, um, but that is Adam Simon. And if you haven't heard of this guy, his resume is pretty wow. Uh, he's been with the Heat for 25 years. He has held pretty much every position possible within the organization leading up to Pat Riley. Um, And he also is responsible for their final draft board. Well, if you know from Miami's drafts, they hardly miss. And there's a reason for that. They put people in these positions that have worked their way up in the player development, player evaluation, and player scouting ranks. Simon started with the Heat as an intern in the video room under, guess who? Current Heat coach Eric Spolstra. That was in 95. He then, in 96, was just a basketball operations intern where he organized information for the draft, which he still continues to do with the Heat. After that, he moved on to a scouting coordinator. Then he was a scout. Then he was the scout director of college scouting, then the director of college international scouting, then the heat director of player personnel. Then he was an assistant GM for their G League team. Then he was VP of player personnel and assistant GM of the G League team. Now he's the assistant GM and he's their final voice on their draft board. So when I say Adam Simon has literally held almost every position possible, you can see why. But this also brings me back to my original point from when I started this. You can see just from that guy alone how much the Kings did not have in their front office. We did not have that as an assistant GM. We had a best friend and again, not not to put them down but i mean this is how organizations are run these blueprints you have your gm and then you have a bunch of assistants underneath you with this kind of experience and when you are a team that is consistently drafting in the lottery you need this kind of help and this kind of assistance <laughs> And that's also one of the reasons we are perpetually in the lottery is because we don't have this kind of assistant. Just to give a little bit of his recent picks, Tyler Hero, Bam, Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson. He then found the undrafted players of Derrick Jones Jr., Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and he was one of the ones that brought Hassan Whiteside back. Now, for a small market like Sacramento, who's not going to bring in the free agents, you have to hit in the draft – And you got to find some of these undrafted gems. Now, he withdrew his name from the uh, Chicago Bulls position. And I'm sure he wouldn't take the job here. But again, you have to make the call and you have to make them say no. But these are the kind of guys you should be going after. The next big name out there that we all love is Bobby Webster with the Toronto Raptors. Bobby is at the old age of 36 years old. Yes, you heard me right, 36. And if that number wasn't crazy enough, he was 32 years old when he was offered the GM job from Maasai. Now, he is one of those guys where you don't hear a lot about him. He is a lot, you know, behind the scenes, even though he is the GM. But he's gone on record and said this, that he prefers to work in the background, um, and he thinks he does his best work that way. Now, what's pretty crazy is his dream was to be in the CIA, but he always had a love of basketball. And so apparently on a whim, he filled out an online application for an internship with the Magic. And in 2006, he joined the Orlando Magic internship team. When they asked him what he wanted to do, he answered he wanted to run his own team one day. Now this is where it gets interesting for me because I don't think he would come here for a GM position, but I really think you might have a shot at the VP role. If he truly desires to run his own team one day, he might wait for a better opportunity because again, his name is out there with a lot of people, but this is an opportunity for it. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. He actually helped to create the current CBA. That's right. He helped create it. Now, as Masai says, um, he's making a lot of the decisions, uh, you know, in everything that they're doing. He's very involved. He's a big driving force of the things that they do. Um, But he said he's going to head a team at some point and he thinks he's going to overthrow him. Well, let's offer him that job over here and give him the reins. He's, you know, let him prove that he can do it. But this is a big mind. And I do think that it's going to take somebody younger to probably come in here and do this. Again, I don't know if it's realistic, but a huge name to go after He's, he's got the track record, even though he's only 36. Um, and he's a name that everyone is saying Sacramento should go after. And there is a reason for that. Now, my next name falls again with the Toronto Raptors. Surprise, they're one of my favorites. Um, Dan Tolsman. He right now is their assistant GM. He's also the director of scouting. Um, Masai found him in Denver and brought him over, but he's got one of the craziest background stories that he was working in media relations with the Nuggets and Masai starts getting these emails with the ideas and he's like, what, what's going on? He's like, but they're good ideas. So they keep coming. So, he was trying to figure out what to do with this guy. He ends up transitioning him over to their scouting coordinator to that group in the front office. Then after a two years in that position, he then becomes the director of scouting. After two years there, he becomes the director of player personnel. Two years in that job, he becomes the general manager of the Raptors um, G League team. Three years there, he then becomes the vice president of player personnel for the Raptors. Now he's the assistant general manager as well as the director of scouting. Now Masai calls him smart, street smart, and basketball smart. And coming from someone as successful as him, Uh, That's a pretty huge compliment. Now, when he was running the um, G League team, the 905, Jerry Stackhouse was the coach. What did Jerry Stackhouse have to say? He said that he could not ask for a better general manager of the team. Now, the two of them ended up winning a championship there, and he's been credited for finding the current core of the Raptors team. Now, again, in a small market, you need people that can find these hidden gems. And it's not only that he drafted them. He also went after guys that were not drafted. He reached out to Fred Van Fleet very early in the, um, the, the scouting process and made sure that him and his agent knew that if he didn't get drafted, Um, they wanted him there. So they didn't want him to think that, oh, you know, you didn't get drafted and now all of a sudden we have interest in you. It was, no, we think you can be something. They didn't have a second round pick. Otherwise, you would have used it on him. But he made sure he was talking to him the whole time saying, we're here, we're here, we're here. Come to us if it doesn't happen. And one of the big things that he's done between um, Pascal, Fred, uh, Norman Powell is not only did they draft and not draft these guys and bring him in, but they then developed him. They've used the G League, and as they said, they recreated it like a soccer team. So they use their G League team as you're supposed to, as a development program, just like baseball, you know, with minor leagues and all these kind of things. They're big on development knowing that they weren't always going to get these free agents and, and you know, big names come in. Yes, they ended up hitting with Kauai, um, but no one really foresaw that happening. Um, and that was also a trade and how they had to bring it in. But look what's happened um, since he left. They're still up there. But with Fred and Pascal, they won the G League Championship with... Um, Holzman and with Stackhouse, and then they went on to win a championship, you know, uh, with the Raptors. How many players and how many front office people win championships with their G League team and then are integral pieces to winning them, you know, in the NBA? You just don't hear or see it happening very often. And I think this is another name where he's one of those silent, you know— snipers, and these kind of orgs that people don't talk about, but is hugely integral to, you know, finding all these little pieces at work. And to me, he's a big person that I would go after just for the sense of what he has been able to build and all of the positions he's held. And I think this might be the kind of guy that you could actually lure away, um, that not necessarily other teams are actually even paying attention to. But again, not to keep driving that point home, but now just in Toronto, besides Maasai, um, you know, and there are plenty of others that I haven't even mentioned, but just between Bobby Webster and Tolzman, um, you can see how outmatched the king's front office has been the last five years. Next up, we have Trent Redden, Sacramento native Trent. That's right. You heard that right from Sacramento. Um, Can we get anybody to look and see if he still has any family here and convince him to come? So, He is right now currently the assistant GM of the Clippers. Uh, Prior to that, he um, started with the Cavs and he started as an intern there. And within 11 years, he worked his way up to uh, senior vice president of basketball ops under uh, Winger and Griffin. And Winger is actually the GM uh, with the Clippers right now. So So you can see what I'll be talking about, where his relationships between Winger and Griffin, um, he's very, very uh, well thought of. So he started as the intern, um, and then eventually he became a basketball operations manager there, then director of player personnel, then he was an assistant general manager. And by the end there, when Griffin was gone, uh, they did not renew uh, Redden's contract and he was then hired the next year with the Clippers um, under winger. So one interesting thing too is when Griffin got the job in New Orleans, they, they tried to lure him for the GM job there. Uh, letting Griffin know he was turning it down and that he wanted to stay with the Clippers because he felt they had unfinished business. Now, that's one downfall because I don't know how we lure someone from a championship-caliber team to um, essentially a dumpster fire. But one great thing um, for um, his reputation is he is a well-regarded talent evaluator. and, um, And there are people that say that him and Winger are two of the best front office executives in the NBA by almost all accounts. Um, they're clearly desired by other teams for their skills and abilities, and um, it's pretty impressive that uh, the Clippers have been able to um, keep this core together. And but it also just goes to show what a great group that uh, Lawrence Frank has put together since he's been there. Where I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the Clippers were considered, you know, the laughing stock just as well as the Kings. But um, Balmer took over. They got Rivers, um, you know, who convinced Lawrence Frank to come over. And, you know, he really built this thing. And he told Balmer, I'm going to come. And if you let me come, and he said this to Doc as well, you're going to let me build this the way I want to build it. And it's been very impressive. Um, the amount of front office talent that they've been able to have there and, and keep around every off season. Um, And, you know, that's a testament to the culture that they've built there. Uh, But it goes to show that it is possible. I know it's LA, but you know, we saw it here for an eight year period of time. You you know, you can hit on some of these drafts and, um, you know, make some savvy trades and all of a sudden your culture is shifted. But one thing I would say um, that would be really cool about him is what better turnaround could you imagine having than having a Sacramento native take over the helm of this that that would be pretty epic Next up we have Jeff Peterson, who started out with Atlanta and just last year was brought over by uh, Sean Marks to join the, um, Brooklyn Nets. And I think one thing that they liked about him was yes, his experience and they brought over Andy Birdsong as well as with him. But Kenny was the coach there at the time and they had worked together in Atlanta. So I think there was already a good, um, you know, a good repertoire, uh, between them. So they felt that he would fit in well with the team that they were creating. So he started off as a scout with the Atlanta Hawks and then moved up to the basketball operations coordinator. And then from there, he was the director of scouting from the director of scouting. He went to, um, the assistant general manager position with the Hawks. And then, like I said, just last year, he was, uh, hired over to uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So something that stood out to him for me was when he was Atlanta, he rose from an intern to an assistant general manager over seven seasons. So again, we had another person who went from an intern and rose the ranks all the way to an assistant general manager. So during those seven seasons, his um, responsibilities were he was in charge of the scouting process from draft to trades to free agency. And then he mentioned that they had had specialists that dealt with the salary cap and the contracts and the analytic part. But his part was uh, the scouting process and all facets of draft, trade, and free agency. Definitely all things we could use here. Uh, something that he said that attracted him to leave Atlanta to join the Nets, where um, he liked Sean and Kenny Atkinson's vision. Well, that's not hard to imagine with, with their background. And um, he said he wanted to compete at the highest level. Well, unfortunately, that is not us here. But he did say what he wanted, one of a big thing was that he wanted to go learn from them from a leadership standpoint and what it takes to run an organization. Now that part kind of caught my eye because that's telling me obviously that he, he wants that and he wants that job. And one thing with him is he was just a finalist for the Detroit job. He didn't get it, but he was one of the three finalists. So, he is out there and he is looking. And the fact that he went and looked at Detroit and interviewed there and became a finalist does um, give me kind of hope that if they reached out to him, that he would at least interview and consider the option. Okay, so that's it for this part of the um, the general manager names that uh, or VP names that. Um, I'm bringing up, but if you guys would like me to do another one of these, because there are more names uh, that I've put out there and mentioned um, that I haven't included in this, let me know and I'll put another one together. But I kind of just wanted to um, get some information out with some of the names that I brought up and just the fact that I don't want this team again, to just keep going in the same cycle? And can we have an actual interview process and build this front office to what this city, these fans, and every person that works in that King's organization deserves? Because we we've all deserve it. You know, I mean, we've we've been here for 35 years, eight winning seasons in 35 years. We've been here. We've been patient. Um, It is time to do this thing right.